Being a Better Man, Episode 62. It's story time. All right, guys, welcome to Wednesday. Welcome to Story Time with Alf. Story Time is where I tell a true story from my strange and interesting life. The purpose of the story is not just to entertain you, but also to share with you the lesson or lessons I learned from that story. They might even cause you to reevaluate parts of your life and help you get lessons that you never knew were there. With that being said, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. When I was growing up, there was a river about a mile from our house. It wasn't a big river like the Mississippi, but it was bigger than a creek. Parts of it were maybe 60 feet wide, and it might get as narrow as 10 feet in some places. For me, the river was like a creature unto itself. It had a personality and a temper and a sense of humor. Its banks were lush and thick like a jungle in the summertime, and it was on or around this river where many of my best memories were made as a boy. My friends and I had found a spot, the most perfect spot. There was a bend in the river, and the water had carved out a swimming hole about 15 feet deep. There also happened to be a huge tree leaning out over the water in the perfect spot for a rope swing right over the swimming hole. There was one cliff we could dive from, but the rest of the shore was sandy here, and there were lots of crawdads, and the fishing was good too. I remember thinking as a boy that I hoped heaven was like this place, because it was perfect. My friends and I kind of owned this spot. We were around 13 or 14 years old, and the older kids were off chasing girls and driving, and this spot was only accessible on a trail by bicycle or walking. The younger kids wouldn't think of moving in on us, so we had it all to ourselves. On one particular glorious summer day, my friends and I were at the river. We were swinging from the rope and diving off the bank, just hanging out like boys do, swapping lies and stories and laughing a lot. We had seen a couple kids we didn't recognize. They had found the trail to the river, but they weren't bothering us. They stopped a few hundred yards upstream from where we were. One of my friends said they were from a different school, and we couldn't figure out what they were doing in our neck of the woods. All of a sudden, out of the blue, the peaceful day was interrupted with cries for help. We all stopped and listened. Sure enough, it was one of the boys we saw, and he was yelling for help. He was around the bend, so we couldn't see him, but he was really screaming. It sounded serious, but we were a little suspicious at first. We thought it could be some kind of a trick. The screaming continued and became more desperate, almost like there were tears in his voice. One of us yelled back then, asking what was the matter. The voice came back, something about someone being hurt. We were all a bit confused. Where they were, the water was only chest deep at the deepest spot. How could they hurt themselves there? At the same time, we all seemed to instinctively agree that there must be a real emergency. We bolted single file down the trail toward the sound of his voice. There were about six of us. We arrived to find the boy who had been screaming, standing chest deep in the middle of the river. He was holding on to his friend, with his arms around his chest under his arms. 
We couldn't see what the trouble was. His friend was conscious. His eyes were open. That's when we saw that the boy holding his friend was on the verge of tears. His voice was trembling as he told us that his friend couldn't move. And he was losing his grip. The current had gradually moved them into deeper water. And the deeper the water got, the less purchase his feet had on the bottom, with the current of the river bearing down on him. We were still standing there, not sure of what was happening. The boy screamed again for us to help him bring his friend to shore. So we all waded out to them and brought them both in. It was a strange thing to see a boy about our age, fully conscious but having no control over his arms and legs. We laid him on the bank and asked the other boy what had happened. He dove in from up there, the boy said, pointing to a high bank just 20 feet upstream. Right then I knew. I knew immediately what had happened. I walked into the river where the landing point of such a dive would be, and right there the water only came up to my ankles. Beneath me were big flat granite slabs just below the water's surface. From where he had stood on the bank, the sun on the surface of the water had hidden the rocks. It must have looked like a deep pool, and they just hadn't checked first. We were all quiet now. Nobody was making eye contact, and no one was looking at the boy on the ground whose pleading eyes were searching everyone's face, looking for some clue as to what was going on with him. Only the boy's friend was tending to him now. The injured boy could talk, but not very loud. It was a whisper, really. He kept telling his friend over and over again that he couldn't feel anything. He was clearly afraid and panicking, but even his panic seemed impotent in the stillness of his body. One of my friends jumped on his bike without a word and went to get help. There were no cell phones in those days, so he would have to go from house to house until someone let him use their phone. So we waited. After about 30 minutes, we could hear the sirens, then the crush of brush as the medics hauled their equipment down the narrow trail toward the river. We all stood back as the medics worked. They kept touching him in different places, asking if, if he could feel it. I caught the grim expression the medics shared between them when their eyes met. All they had was a stretcher, so they strapped him on it, and then they asked us all to help carry it back up the trail to the ambulance since there were only two of them. And then they were gone. We all stood around in stunned silence. We were old enough to realize the possible magnitude of what just happened. Then we all went back to the safety of our homes, and we were all quite shaken. I told my parents about it, and they were very concerned. My mother had warned me all my life about the dangers of the river. The next day they found his name in the paper. Within a week, we learned that he was likely going to be paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of his life. The dive had broken his neck. We never heard anything about the boy again. Not really surprising since he had gone to another school in a different part of the county. But years later, after I was an adult, I attended an inspirational gathering in our community where they had people speaking. A speaker came out. He was a man in a wheelchair. He was controlling his chair with only his chin, and he proceeded to tell the same story I just told you, only from a much different perspective. It was him. It was the boy we saved from the river. 
I went and talked to him afterwards. I told him I was one of the other boys that day. He thanked me, and he cried. I may have cried too. And that's the end of the story. For me, though, I've relived it many times in my mind. It was my first glimpse at how fragile the line is between things like walking and not walking, between health and happiness, or sorrow and misery, even between life and death. One minute you're a healthy kid with your whole life in front of you, the next second you are reduced to a head, sitting atop a lump of flesh that you have no connection with, and in that head reside all the same thoughts, memories, desires, and aspirations you had just a moment before. That's one lesson I learned very well that day, that tomorrow, even the next second, is not promised to us. The only thing we have that we can truly lay claim to as ours is the moment we're living in. So we better make it count. The other lesson I learned, and one that I've employed countless times since that day, is to look before you leap. It just takes a moment to check the water or the situation to see how deep it is. What might look like a deep inviting pool could be a granite slab. The same is true of every situation that is new. It just takes a moment to check the water. I'll try to have a little happier story next week, guys. We need stories like this one too, though. Some of the most valuable, important lessons come from the hardest things. Now go out there and do something that makes a difference in your life, but don't forget to check the water while you're being a better man today than you were yesterday. Until next time, this is Alf Herigstad signing out.